A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Lorehounds Play, where the Lorehounds your guides to pixel-based adventures. I'm John. I'm Brandon, and this is our second Lorehounds Play podcast, uh, this time for the video game Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. In this episode, we'll be breaking down the characters, plot, and gameplay of Respawn's canon Star Wars video games set in the early Imperial era. Before we get started, quick reminder that you can send feedback to lhp at thelorehounds.com or leave us a voicemail at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Uh, and we'll get to it. Uh, we'll get to those questions in the next episode. If you're enjoying our coverage of video games or any of the shows we're covering and you'd like to support us directly, head over to patreon.com slash thelorehounds and subscribe today for early and ad-free access to every episode, as well as bonus content like Second Breakfast and our upcoming new series, Shireside Chats. That's a great name. Uh, another <laughs> another quick ask. Please take a moment to rate the podcast and leave a review if you feel so moved. Ratings and reviews help other people find the podcast, which helps us make more podcasts. Brandon, before we get started on Jedi Fallen Order, let's remind people what the Lorehounds play is about. It's been a while since we did an episode. I guess we had some life stuff come in the way. Uh, we, we were on a busy podcasting schedule, and but we're back now. And we're ready to talk about some Star Wars. This was supposed to come out towards the end of The Mandalorian. And that did yeah. not happen. <laughs> Luckily, there's a Star Wars show coming out at least four or five times a year. So we can we can we right. can hook it in somewhere. I think v Visions is what you guys got going on next. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Visions. Uh, I think we're going to record that in the next couple of days. And uh, then later we're going to be doing we're, we're doing a pre show for Ahsoka where we talk about her animated history from the Clone Wars and Rebels. And then we're going to cover Ahsoka in full. So we got we got Star Wars going. Absolutely, Star Wars is never, at the Yeah, Star Wars is is always a evergreen topic. Uh, so yeah, I think I think that's a great. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we picked this game. Um, they had just came out with the the new one, Jedi. What what what? Jedi? Uh, Survivor. Yeah. Survivor. Yeah. So you know, uh, always good to tie in uh, when something modern comes out to talk about the old thing. Uh, but I I think the story does really stand on its own. Um, yeah, it's, it's always fun to dip your toe into a Star Wars game as well. Yeah. So what we do here is, you know, there's plenty of podcasts that will break down, you know, a review basically of a video game. But we are focusing on story based video games that can sort of be broken down like David and I usually break down shows. So 
We'll be talking about our spoiler-free thoughts. We'll be doing a gameplay section, and then we will talk full spoilers on the plot of the game. Heck yeah. All right, so now that we've gotten some housekeeping out of the way, let's give our spoiler-free thoughts. Brandon, you're first. Okay, yeah, I did actually, uh, since I have not podcasted Star Wars, I guess ever, which is wild to me because I've been such a huge fan for so long. Less so lately. Um, But yeah, I wanted to get some Star Wars history out of the way. I've got a couple of basic Star Wars softball questions for you, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, go ahead. All right, so uh, what's your kind of Star Wars history? Were you like a Star Wars boy growing up, or how did that all go? (laughs) I was not a Star Wars boy. I liked it. I didn't love it. My dad and my grandpa were really into it, and they would show it to me. And my dad took me out of school to see Revenge of the Sith. I was in elementary school. It was it was a very cool day. I mean, you get taken out of school to go see Darth Vader. I mean, that's that's a cool day. Absolutely. Um, but other than that, like I wasn't I wasn't a super big Star Wars fan. I liked it. I just I wasn't super into the lore or anything. I wasn't watching the cartoons, except I watched a little bit of um, the 2D animated Clone Wars, which is no longer canon. Yeah, the Jenny uh, one, one. Yeah, it was great really it's, it's a great show. It's just not canon anymore, but correct. Yeah, so that that was basically my Star Wars experience, and then Andor came out, and that pulled me right back into the world. I have binged the Clone Wars, I have binged Rebels, I have read some of the canon and non-canon books, and now I am a, a star, a star stan, if you will. <laughs> I will. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah. So, what's your background then? Uh, I was the opposite. I was a I was a Star Wars boy. Um, <laughs> uh, I was uh, as a as a young you boy. A young I f- <laughs> I was. I found myself resistant to most things that people liked until I got my teeth into them, and then I wouldn't let go like a Rottweiler. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I was a huge Star Wars kid growing up. I uh, I saw from the I didn't see the first one in theater because I was annoyed about it, and also I was like seven. Uh, but every everything after that, I'd seen them uh, in the theater many, many, many times. Um, and uh, I always had the big box set of the VHS tapes of the Star Wars movies growing up, the originals. Uh-huh. Um, and I think modern days, I'm sort of a uh, prequels apologist. I'm exactly the right age where like I look back oh, on those too. movies with like great fondness, especially because of everything they did around the movies. Like yes. all of the the lore around it has been what's kind of kept me attached to it. Because like with the you know with those movies, like a little tiny detail can spin off into like this whole huge story, just because of how like. George literally just every inch of real estate on the screen was, you know, something was there. Right. Uh, that right. you could, you know, think about, talk about. And, you know, we, back in the day, we had less. We had like a VHS or a DVD. We could pause and be like, what what the hell is that about? You'd be like, that's <laughs> the Millennium Falcon. Why is that there in episode two? Or, you know, you could you could get into so many different things. And then like the video games and other media would come out and it would expand on these things. So it was just really good at keeping your brain in that universe. And I, I've always really enjoyed it itself. Um, yeah, nice. big fan. Yeah. Uh, thank the force, I guess, for Dave Filoni, because he really did add so much to the Star Wars universe. It's, you know, I've talked about sort of my differing feelings for Tolkien and Star Wars, where Middle Earth is this incredible world developed from the mind of one man. And it's in- yes. insane how much detail went into that. Whereas Star Wars is in some ways 
more detailed, but it didn't come from one person, right? It's just been layer upon layer of creators who keep adding to this universe through books and comics and video games and movies and TV shows. And now there's just this sort of menu of vibes you can get out of this universe. And I heard it put this way on Reddit once. Star Wars is a universe, not a genre. And that is such a perfect way for me to describe what Star Wars is to me. And so when we get to a game like Jedi Fallen Order to bring us back, it really works because Star Wars is such a broad thing that this game could have been anything it wanted. And I think that Respawn really hit their mark in getting a good vibe for a video game that I I think Star Wars video games have been plagued by mediocrity for (laughs) decades. Right. And they finally made one that made me go, huh, this is a good story. Yeah. uh, The the thing about Star Wars is that, like you said, it's a universe and there's something for everyone. Some of those things may very much not be for you. Yes. Uh, Even if you are a huge Star Wars fan, you can watch something and be like, wow, hated that. But just remember, uh, (laughs) you know, that thing that you liked about Star Wars is still there. Um, And this game does do that. I think you you hit the nail on the head there with vibe. This is one of the the strongest Star Wars vibed things I've yep. ever really kind of dealt with. Like they kind of crushed it in a way that and not to get into it or whatever, in a way that most of Disney has not really vibed with me. This one's kind of crushing it for me uh, as far as story goes and as far as mediocrity goes. There's the rest of the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair. 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 <laughs> Um, you didn't watch Andor, did you? I didn't. I kept trying, uh, but it's dark, and I've got a baby who doesn't want to see that bullshit on television. She <laughs> wants to watch Bluey, and I'm I tend to agree with her. Um, but Andor will be there, hopefully, if they feel like keeping it on the service, which you know a lot of stuff is. Yeah, I think know, I think Andor is disappearing now. I don't, I don't stay. think the Star Wars stuff is going away. I don't think the Marvel stuff is going away. We're going to be looking at a lot of. Things like Willow just disappearing. And I don't yeah. I don't know any Willow stands. I'm sure they're out there, but uh I I I can't say I blame them for not being full throated in their support for that show. For sure. Yeah. So I see that you have a second softball question here. Hit me with it. Okay, so um both of us are are music boys. Uh What's your favorite Star Wars theme, light like light motif or general like piece of music from? And that's a such a huge question, I know. <laughs> but like, yeah, is yeah. is there one? Because like one of the things about Star Wars is that something, even if I'm not connected to the universe right now, I would call myself vaguely not connected. I'll have like years where I'm just like, eh, you know, Star Wars is a thing. Music will immediately pull me back in and remind me of why I like it. Same thing with some of the imagery. Like I've got like stormtrooper bullshit in my room. Like I've got a whole (laughs) shelf full of Star Wars six inch black series figures and I can look at them. And even if I'm not in the universe right then, like, man, is it just such a distinctive style that like it just invokes feelings within me. And the music does that in a way that nothing else really does. Um, yeah, I can hear a I mean, John Williams. Star Wars. Exactly. Like, w- w- what are you going to do without John Williams? And we're going to have to figure that out soon because he's getting really old, <sighs> he's which like is 94. a shame. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, his his themes, I, no one has matched the 
the quality of John Williams. I think Bear McReary is on his way because Bear McReary is starting to do a, quite a lot of shows and do a really good job with them. Uh, really like um, uh, versatile too. Like, you know, you, yeah. you a lot of, a lot of, uh, and I'll, I'll even call John Williams. I'll, I'll call him out a little bit for being kind of um, the biggest niche in the world, but he's carved a niche for marches for like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, his style like you can hear him and it's immediately him with bear right i find that like it's not not quite as easy um right he, can, he does all kinds of wild shit yeah like i um, i never know when i'm gonna see him you know god of war ragnarok i saw was him mm-hmm. and at the same time he's done rings of power and then i was watching foundation to catch up for our upcoming coverage and i was like bear mcreary what yep it just it's just yeah you're right he's he's incredibly versatile but anyway the walking dead theme the theme for the walking oh really dead. Oh, yeah i didn't know that um, so back to Star Wars themes, I'm just going to I'm not going to try to find some deep and philosophical answer here. The Darth Vader theme really, I think, makes the universe for me. And it's not just the theme itself, but it's the way it's been used over time, because you'll be watching an episode of Clone Wars or Rebels and somebody will sort of flirt with the dark side and you'll just hear it subtly come in, just creep in the. Oh, yeah. Burr, 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 and that just it gives you chills like it still gives me chills when that Same. creeps its way in. And I don't know any other sort of villain theme that does that for me. I know people like the Sauron theme in Rings of Power, but I don't know. There's just something about the Darth Vader theme that like no one has ever made as good of a villain theme. It's this it's the simplicity of like being able to reference those couple of notes that yeah. like immediately invokes that. And they do such a good job, like because that wasn't even a thing for A New Hope. We're, this is, this is going to be this, this might stretch a little long. I'll try and be <laughs> concise. It wasn't even a thing right? for A New Hope. Darth Vader had a different theme in A New really? Hope. Really? The Imperial March did not happen until hmm. uh, re- until Empire Strikes Back. Interesting. Um. He had a completely different theme for that movie. So like, and I found that a lot of times uh, s- we're not in the spoilery breakdown yet. We are not. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about this later, but a lot of, um, yeah, like they, I, I feel like most of the time they stay, they stick to the rule. You don't in the timeline, use the Imperial March until after, uh, unless you're just referencing it, which Anakin's theme would from, uh, from the first movie, from a, a Phantom Menace is sort of like a weird inversion of uh-huh. uh, the uh, uh, of the Imperial March, but um, I digress. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> talk to me when you have you watched the Clone Wars animated series. I have watched. Uh, I did it in a in a way that I think is in line with people watching it initially because it aired in like a really weird disjointed out of order thing. Yes. So I just kind of was like, let's watch the fun arcs and then I'll have it. I'll background watch maybe stuff that I'm not quite as interested in. Did you, that did Star you watch Wars the has Mortis a, arc? Yes. Okay. Yes, so, you know, you know that, that it, they do break the rules sometimes. They do sometimes break the rules. Yes. And yeah. that makes sense because Mortis is sort of a timey wimey bullshit situation yeah. anyway. Yeah. I like uh, it by the way. I love Mortis. I think I do it's too. insane. And I know some people are like, you're making the force all weird, but like the force is weird. The and force I wish is it more weird. And I wish we had fewer <laughs> midichlorians. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I love the Mortis arc. But yeah. So I again, that's another situation where the Darth Vader theme comes and it just hits you right in the face. Right. Oh, yeah. It's it's yeah. There's nothing better. Nothing better. 
So one up me. What what's better? I like Jabba's theme a lot. <laughs> it's played Different on a vibe, I would say. It's played on a tuba, uh, which is sort of like almost insensitive because it's just like this like bouncy sort of thing. And it, like um uh back in the day in Star Wars games, a lot of the time uh they would just pull music instead of writing music for the games and the Jabba's theme was pulled in so many weird places. Like I remember walking around like a base stealing the Death Star plans as Kyle Katarn and being like, mm-hmm. why are they using Jabba's theme for this? But I mean, it worked like <laughs> mechanically. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if Jabba's theme is my favorite, but that's the one that I always want to want to talk about just because it's such a silly like tuba run. Uh, <laughs> and it's okay. a, like one of the only so like solo tuba numbers that I think I, I, I've ever heard of until you get into it. Also, a lot of the music from the prequels uh, really, really hits me hard. Like, um, yeah, Duel of the Fates, of course, is great. Uh, yeah, I could I could talk about all of them, but we'll just uh, we'll the, the Obi-Wan Anakin duel has great music, you know? Uh, yes. The uh, you were the chosen one, you know? Yeah, that actually beat uh, that scene. That that theme gets used later on. We'll talk about that theme a little later. All right, Brandon. We have not actually talked about the game yet in our spoiler-free thoughts. So what is your general impression of the game? I didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> Hot take. I uh, actually, I loved the experience of experiencing the game. And I did not like playing it. Um, okay. Which is, uh, rel- it's complex and not. Um, I think this game does story and does vibe excellently. Um, but I didn't have a super great time running around. As so would you have Kevin. rather watched this as a movie or a TV show? Yeah, maybe. Especially if you get the cast in there because they all absolutely crush it. Um, they did. They I think did. That one of the one of the best parts of this game is they did really crush it with the, the cast. Everyone did a, a stellar job. I just think um, it is it does a bit of a meander <laughs> uh, and I don't I didn't have super a lot of fun like uh just with a controller in my hand uh it does a bit of a dark souls wannabe thing uh which i've never been a souls like person um and then when you drop the game to a difficulty where it's like you know it 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 became too easy there was not a good middle ground difficulty for me to enjoy it at uh what about you man Uh, i know you you had a lot more fun i think than i did with i did i did uh, I played it on easy. I played it on like the very easy, whatever was the lowest difficulty. Story because, enjoyer mode or whatever it's well, called. <laughs> because that's what we're here to do, right? Exactly. Enjoy the story. And I didn't want to, I, I, you know, if I'm going to play a game as a Jedi, I want to be an overpowered Jedi who can just run through these planets and just destroy every stormtrooper in sight. Because I, I, I tried it the first few times on a higher difficulty. And I, I tried it probably like three or four times over the, a couple of years. And I just couldn't get into it. I would beat the first planet or two and then I'd just get bored because I was like, eh, I don't want to redo this fight again. Yeah. And so I, I I had a lot better of a time playing it on easy because it, it was just the story's great. I think that the characterization, like you said, is great. The acting is great. I did enjoy the wall jumps and things like that. I did not love having to press r2 or whatever it was every time that i needed to grab onto something that was very frustrating there were mm-hmm. there were some frustrating mechanics we can talk about in the spoiler section when we talk about gameplay but overall i had a lot of fun with the fights there were a lot of things that made me go whoa awesome 
which is exactly what you want out of a Star Wars game where you're playing as a Jedi. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, I, I just I it took a while for this game to grab me. But I would say the second half of the game I loved and it it brought the game up from like a six out of ten to an eight out of ten for me. Just the last like maybe quarter of the game. Totally agree. Like this is one of the most backloaded story games that I think I've yeah. ever played. We're like, holy, you kept all this shit <laughs> until yes. like this part of the game. Wow. Yes. Uh, but yeah, absolutely agree. I think um, while this game does have like some really cool and interesting moments at the start, like I just was not hooked until there's like, a lot I, of middle. Yes, there's so much middle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, uh, we, we can get into that once we get into the spoilers. But it's yeah, little like, out uh, compression. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would say I recommend this game if you're a Star Wars fan. It's a it's a mm. lot of fun. There's an easy there's an easy, easy mode where you can just fly right through. There's a lot of challenge in the combat. Very dark soulsy, people say, if you want to do it on a higher difficulty. And that's fine if that's your vibe. And yeah, I mean, I, w- I would just recommend everyone play this. It's on Game Pass. I played it on Game Pass and um, uh, that's a great value. You know, if you're just going to play it for free, I'm sure that the sequel will probably be on Game Pass at some point since that's on EA. And yeah, again, full throated endorsement. Play the game. How about you? I would say um, if you are very much in a Star Wars universe. If you are in the universe right now, play it. Mm-hmm. Play it on story mode. If you do enjoy a a good challenge in a game, crank up the difficulty and you probably will enjoy yourself here, especially if you also enjoy Star Wars stuff. Um, game Pass is a great way to play this game. I would not play it on the Xbox Series S. So I did a bit of an experiment. It's free if you have Game Pass. So I tried it on all three systems that I could use that on. I tried it on the Xbox Series S, the Xbox Series X, and on PC. Uh, I found that the Xbox Series X and the PC experience was pretty on par. But the Series S, um, this is a pretty game, and you're going to want to experience the pretty game. And I don't think you really get that on the Series S. I think it's, yeah, I think it really kind of, um, maybe if you're playing on like a really small screen or something, that maybe you know you won't notice it as much but i found that the performance really suffered uh and the the visuals really suffered on the series s which you know kind of sucks because it's a great little box for playing games on but um you want you want the pretty on this one so so uh if you got a pc or an xbox series x uh or ps5 i'm sure it'll handle it great too um i would really recommend it on those systems yeah and even if you don't have a console like you you uh you have a ps5 you don't have a console with game pass just it's like five bucks now. If you go to like GameStop or something, it's like five bucks now. It's so cheap because this game is old and it's on Game Pass. And so go out, get this game, enjoy it. And we will see you after the spoiler warning. Brandon, it's time to take a break. When we get back, we will talk full spoilers. Hell yeah, we will. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. 
Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And we're back and ready to talk full spoilers. This is a spoiler warning. If you have not played the game, if you don't want it spoiled for you, please leave, play the game and come back or I don't know, stick around and you could just know the story without having to suffer through it as Brandon did since he didn't <laughs> like it. Uh, excellent. I, by the way, I, I got to mention uh, excellent uh, theme music for the show. Oh, thank you. Uh, I love your 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 uh, your Lorehounds Star Wars theme. It's very good. We have fun. We have fun with our themes. And uh, I, I still have to make the theme for the general Lorehounds play show. I, I haven't decided which I want to use yet. I know we've talked about you've mentioned you like the victory theme of the Final Fantasy series. And uh, yeah, I'm. I'm I'm into that. I got to figure out how to turn that into a theme now. And or, so or maybe maybe I'll do a montage of different themes. So far, the only games we covered have been like very strong musically. So it's right. been and also you've kind of already had the themes done. <laughs> so, right. Exactly. Uh, so you haven't really needed to adjust it at all. But yeah. Exactly. I'm looking forward to seeing what you cook up in the in the in the the, the music kitchen for that one. <laughs> Well, I'm excited. So let's get into the spoilery breakdown. We're going to start off with the gameplay section before getting into the plot. So gameplay, I know, Brandon, you put this in here. Where did we play the game? How did it run? I think you mentioned already Series S, not so great. Series X and PC did fine. I also played it on Series X. I thought it ran well. I noticed a little bit of stuttering here and there. Other than that, I think I think no issues. Oh, yeah, I think it's a rock solid performer on the Series X for sure. Yeah. Any thoughts on the flashback tutorial style and the slow reveal of the force abilities? Yeah, the um, I think all that's fine. Like, I didn't have any problems with that. Uh, the flashbacks were cool. Uh, meet, meeting Cal's master was fun. Yeah. Um, showing anytime you, you get to peek into like, you know, peak Jedi powers, uh, you know, that that time window, especially whenever we're kind of stuck firmly in this era. Uh, it's been pretty it was pretty cool to see and yeah. all the just the the way that you can in a video game that, you know, is not as easy that like in the movies or whatever to like show the floating platforms and all the other bullshit that the Jedi had to do for the right. trials. So I think it's I think it's cool to be able to experience that. Yeah, people talk about how they want more of the Jedi training during the prequel era, how that would be pretty cool or even in the High Republic era, anywhere before the fall of the Republic. I think yeah, you want to see say. like the time tested, like, you know, uh, the way the Jedi did it at the height of their powers. I think I think that's interesting because they're it's you know, they've been doing it for thousands of years. So, like, what are the things they're using? Yeah, I think my favorite one, which I played like five times because I kept replaying the intro was the lizards going through. And that's how you learn the wall, the wall run, walk run. Yeah. Yeah, that was really neat. Um, I it's a little early to talk about it, but I the 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 in the using psychometry as a, a narrative device is such a cool thing to do. Uh, and I've seen so few things do it because it's you know psychometry is not just a Star Wars you know Jedi's thing. It's like a thing. Um, talk more about it. Tell us what it, psychometry is because I don't know. So psychometry is the ability to read like a memory or something from an object. So how uh, okay. 
how Cal will pick up like a lightsaber or something and uh, he'll be able to like see the history in like a vision of that object. Uh, that's that wasn't really a Star Wars thing before this. I don't I can't think uh, Ray. Actually yeah, I don't used I don't think it was much. Yeah. Ray felt a bunch of stuff off of the 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 most buck wild lightsaber to ever have lightsabered, which was Anakin's because <laughs> it's been literally everywhere uh, like a Johnny Cash song. And um <laughs> Uh, so she picked up a lot on that, but as far as like Star Wars goes, it hasn't really been a thing. I'm I'm, I'm struggling to remember like where where else it was used or why. I know what psychometry is, <laughs> but I know that that's what that yeah, right? is, and that's what that's called. I was like, what's what's that word? I haven't heard that. One <laughs> what is that even, Doc? What is? I'm not that? gonna pretend to know what that one means. <laughs> Did they call it psychometry in the game? I don't think so. I think that they I think that they just called it like the the force echo ability or something like that. Yeah, like yeah you could, that, that you could sounds sense right. the force echo. Yeah. Um uh, as a uh, one thing I I have surrendered as well uh, as a Star Wars fan, I'm going to forget a lot of names here and a lot of nouns. Um so <laughs> I'm going to uh, vaguely describe some things and uh you know what that's that's okay. Uh, yeah, it is. We'll, uh, if you're a Star Wars fan and you struggle with remembering Bagano and Zephos and all that stuff, that's fine. Just describe it. Yeah, no, totally fine with that. You know, something that I loved about the mechanics, which I didn't put in the outline, but I'm thinking of now, is the way that all of the collectibles were optional. Any Anything you had to loot really was optional, and I yes. didn't feel like it was a chore to loot. It was just, do I want something fun? As a Destiny player, uh, I'll say I'm driven to loot a lot. Um, I completely ignored that in this game. Uh, if I saw loot, I got it. But I, I didn't go out of my way too hard to get to the loot, yeah. Which yeah. I did appreciate that all of it was optional. Um, yeah, there were a couple uh, with, things like the the upgrades on the health you had to find as well. Yes, but on story mode, I didn't really need them. <laughs> Absolutely so, not. I very yeah. rarely found myself in trouble uh, on story mode. Yeah, um, I think maybe one or two times I died just because I like wasn't paying attention enough. I but, fell off a bunch of stuff, but, but I yeah, didn't. I, yeah. I, I, I was rarely brought low in, you know, uh, in combat. Yeah, the game was very nice to you if you fell off, too. It was oh, not yeah. just like insta death or anything like that. Yeah, it so gave you a couple nice. chances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. The traversal mechanics, speaking of getting around, how did you feel about those? Because I think those are a little bit more controversial. Yeah, I didn't like this. Um so uh, I feel like I'm just the guy who complains about puzzles. If you listen to our The Last of Us uh, coverage uh, on 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 that game, um, I enjoyed the The Last of Us puzzles <laughs> more than I think I, I enjoyed <laughs> some of these. And part of that is my fault for playing the first quarter of the game eight times or however many times. Uh, okay. Like I just got sick of pushing balls around temples uh, yeah. and uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. So that's kind of on me. If you, if you power through that uh, and don't have to keep doing it over and over again, uh, maybe you wouldn't mind the Zepho puzzle temples as much. Um, but uh, I think it's, it's competently done. I just didn't have fun doing it. Okay. Um, and then okay. as far as the traversal goes, I, um, I did enjoy sliding. There were plenty of slides on this game. Uh, yeah. And uh, some of those were a whole lot of fun. Sliding, swinging felt bad. I always messed up swinging. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know why. That's probably just a me problem. Uh, what about you? What, were you? what are your thoughts on the traversal? 
My only big issue with the traversal was having to press a button to grab on to anything that I needed to climb. That was really frustrating. I kept messing it up. I finally started doing it, and then I started the second game, which I, I didn't get far enough into to know any of the stories, so don't worry. I don't know any spoilers for that. But I started the second game, and they seem to have removed it. They removed <sighs> the grab button, which is lovely, and I guess they learned their lesson from that. Uh, the map is also incredibly frustrating. It is almost unreadable and that's a common criticism of this game i have not gotten again far enough in survivor to see a map so i don't know if they fix that but yeah uh those are the only two issues i had other than that i had a lot of fun wall running that was that was super fun that was i good. did enjoy the puzzles i really did i like zelda games it reminded me of that it wasn't quite as i i didn't feel quite as satisfied as i do in a zelda game finishing a puzzle but it still was satisfying, especially the one that frustrated me the most, I think, was the wind one where I had yeah. to figure out how to do that. That was just it, I was like, what the hell am I doing here? I spent too much time on it. It just ended up being annoying. But other than that, I didn't ever feel completely frustrated by a puzzle. I think um, I've recently played the God of War games, uh, the, mm -hmm. the modern ones. And I found that the puzzles in those games were a little bit of the gold standard for me as far as like you know, uh, map based puzzles. Um, I haven't played a Zelda since Ocarina of time, which I do plan on remedying at some point, especially now, uh, yeah, that's the news the of the kingdom. It's so good. The maybe we'll yeah, cover the, it. Maybe we should. The news is that, um, you're going to get to keep your library on whatever Nintendo does next. So, ah. uh, I might, I'm more tempted to now buy digitally on the Nintendo store because most of the time, if you buy Nintendo things, it doesn't work the next time right. something comes out. We're right. seven years into the switch life cycle. I was very skeptical about buying things, but who knows? <laughs> maybe now. Um, yeah. but yeah, apparently those are the very much gold standard of puzzles in games. Yeah, the, the last which, couple of Zelda games have been really great with puzzles, especially I think they really elevated it in Tears of the Kingdom. But this is not a podcast about that. So, no, go on. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I, I just found them, uh, you know, you're you're pushing balls around. You're uh, you're adjusting wind to push balls around. And uh, it's mostly balls. This game's a lot of balls. It is a lot of balls. Force and balls. For the force. Maybe that's a bad sentence. The force be with your balls. They do. Um, Speaking of that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, never mind. We don't need to. Right. We don't need to get into doctor visits on this one. Yes, um, no, we do not. Um, so other other gameplay aspects, the lightsaber modes. I want to know. First of all, my question to you is: When did you get the Darth Maul style lightsaber? Did you go right to Dathomir, or did you go somewhere else first? Do you remember how I said I wasn't very curious in this game? Yeah, it took me a very long time to get to the Darth Maul style lightsaber. I didn't uh, know it was okay. a thing in this game. Um, and I was like, I'm not customizing my lightsaber. Like what? You know, it's fine. It's a blue lightsaber. Who cares? It's, I'm playing this for the story. Um, uh, I didn't find a cool workbench on Dathomir for a very long time because for some, for whatever reason I, I was, uh, we're going to get into it a little bit later, but you, you kind of have a choice of when you go to places in this game yeah. more than I like, but, um, I agree. With I went that. to, I went to Dathomir very late. Um, I just went with the vibe of like the way that the story was unfolding for me. Uh, and I didn't feel Dathomir until a little bit later. So uh, and then I, I don't even think I touched that <laughs> workbench until like maybe my second time on Dathomir. So it took me a very long time to get it. Interesting. Interesting. I had the exact opposite experience. 
because okay. I was very curious. So when they said you can go to Zepho or Dathomir, I sensed that Dathomir was the side hustle. So I went there first and right. I explored right away. I explored everywhere because I was trying to get through it. I didn't realize that you couldn't really do that. Um, but so I, I explored everything and I found that thing and I was like, I got a Darth Maul lightsaber. So I played most of the game with that. <laughs> right on. <laughs> I barely used it because I got it so late and I was like, well, this is good for mob clear, but it's not very good for bosses. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's really great if you're if you're like fishing down an army of stormtroopers. Boom. You got that. You got that. The, yeah. It does like make it easy mode deflecting like like yep. uh, like lightsaber bolts and stuff. Not lightsaber bolts, uh, but blaster bolts. Yeah. Um. I uh, yeah, I felt the like I, I I'm a huge fan of Dathomir. Like uh, of all the Me stuff too, that yeah. goes down there. So I was like, I'll save that for a little bit later. Get this Zepho bullshit knocked out. Because <laughs> obviously I'd never heard of Zepho whenever I first started the game. So, but I was like, I know what Kashyyyk is. I know what Dathomir is. So maybe we'll just wait and keep those for whenever, you know. But I I, I had the wrong experience. Maybe I should have started with Dathomir. Well, I, uh, I actually kind of almost regretted going to Dathomir so early. So uh, why don't we talk about that now? The ability to choose the order of order of planets was this fun or annoying? It was annoying. Um, I agree with that. I think that this game wanted to be an open world game so bad that it sort of failed itself narratively. Agreed. And it should have kind of handheld you. Like it's cool that you can go back to the to the planets, mm-hmm. but it really should have like said, "All right, let's curate this a little bit. Let's you know tighten this up." Uh, another gold standard of semi-open world game. I'll talk about God of War again, where like there's an obvious path of where to go. Uh, you can go back to knock out things, to complete puzzles, to find yep. collectibles. I think that maybe is where it should have landed for this game. I hear they that the figured this game, out in the early 2000s with games like Ratchet and Clank. Like that's exactly. that's exactly what they did. It was linear, but you could go back and you could go back and you know clean up. And uh, I, I totally agree with you. I think that. This game was a linear game with a weird vibe of open world. Yeah. And it is not really open world. Did not work for me. No, I tried to I tried to get everything done that I could uh, so I wouldn't have to keep backtracking or whatever. Um, So I've I made it a linear experience for myself. Um, And I guess if you want if you're if you're an open world game enjoyer and that's the way you want to play, then this is kind of half of a game for you. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, I I, I don't like that creative choice that they made there. But, you know, it's not a not a it's not game breaking, but didn't like it. Yeah, it was really confusing because there's only one time where they do really give you a choice, a meaningful choice of where to go. And that is, do you want to go to Dathomir or Zepho first after uh, Pagano? Yeah, and, that, that is that is kind of like the big one because the rest and, of it did feel no more point, linear. There's no point to going to Dathomir except to get the dual sided lightsaber. Now, I did <laughs> get it, so I was paid off for that. Yeah, but maybe that's why they did it. <laughs> maybe it is. But then just like put that option somewhere else. Put it yeah. put it at the beginning of Zepho. Put it in like a side nook there. Don't make me go to this planet because by the time I got back to Dathomir, I forgot who Marin was. Right, yeah, and yeah. that's because she's barely problem. in there in the beginning. I assume she's she well because she shows up and she fights you and she does her whole introduction where she hates the Jedi and then you yeah. don't get that when you come back and she comes back and I'm like who the hell is this again? Yeah. And that that was a big problem for me. I would say narratively, so I like the story a lot. It really needed needed to be streamlined, uh, but 
you know, I mean, maybe they fixed that in the second one. I heard that they did a lot of work to respond to the criticisms. It's part of the thick middle of this game <laughs> that you get weird choices that you get to make that are completely arbitrary. Yeah. Yeah. Last question for you. General combat thoughts. Give me give them to me. Um, well, since I played it on easy, general combat was kind of boring. Uh, eventually it gets to a place where it's like, I'm, I am just a, a powerhouse. This is Jedi power fantasy. Nothing stands in my way. Uh, I'd assume that would be a lot more. Um, it would feel a lot more rewarding if I was playing on a higher difficulty and I, I, I attained a level of mastery of the game, but I just didn't find myself wanting or needing that from this game. Uh, but yeah, if you want to just carve through stormtroopers all willy nilly, um, you know, that wasn't bad. What about you? I liked it. I felt overpowered. I felt mm-hmm. like I was just sweeping through enemies, but in a great way, because a oh, Jedi good. should feel overpowered when it comes to stormtroopers. Right. Uh, yeah, and, I agree. And I and I did feel like I struggled a little bit and not really because I was on story mode, but I felt like there was more pressure on me. The game made me feel more pressured when I'm fighting second sister and night night sister. Right. When I'm actually fighting a worthwhile opponent then mm-hmm. i thought that it, it, it did a good job of changing the feel of the combat as well yeah and i, I with the bosses I, I do feel like they didn't resort to too many like bullshit <laughs> like uh you know like video game traps were like oh this boss is the one that you know you can't you know it'll dodge every hit no matter what like i don't feel like it plays too fast and loose you know a couple of the early boss fights are um you know, uh, you're obviously overpowered and you're built to lose this fight. But um, yeah, it, it, I think it all felt all the boss fights. I, did, I didn't have a problem with any of those. I think I think that's kind of the where they shined gameplay wise in this game is the boss fights. They were all pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. They were like just enough cutscene things, you know? Yeah. They, they really piece, did punctuate big, it like, well. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, this game does great things as far as like set pieces. Yeah. Um, in in uh, just cinematic fights. Quick time right? events, one exactly. might say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, controversially, but yes, uh, I think this game does <laughs> those very well. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the story now. Here's the introduction. Five years after the fall of the Republic and the destruction of the Jedi, Cal Kestis, played by Cameron Monaghan, is a former Padawan in hiding as a scrapper on the planet Braca. After using the force to save his friend Prowth, the Empire sends a team of Inquisitors to find the Jedi amongst the scrappers. Prowth tries to take the fall for Cal, but Cal steps in at the last minute and unsuccessfully attempts to save him. Narrowly escaping death at the hands of Second Sister, Cal is rescued by a mysterious ship called the Mantis. Brandon, what's going on with this plot? Did you enjoy this opening? I was very impressed by the intro to this game. Um, the the zooming in camera uh, with that cool song uh, that was playing. The song, by the way, called, uh, I think it's Sugan Esena. Uh, I'm saying that phonetically, so it's probably wrong. But it's like the like almost like uh, throat singing, like Tibetan uh, uh, deep voiced singing was very, very cool with like the big heavy drums. Very mechanical sounding as you're in this this big junker planet. Um, uh, I really, really liked it. Oh, uh, it's actually, Mon- sorry, it was performed by a Mongolian rock band called the HU. And 
I loved like as you're zooming in, uh, since it's a big junk planet, you just see a bunch of Star Wars junk everywhere. So, so like yeah. you, there's yeah. like lots of fun, like Easter eggs in the form of ships. Like you see like a Trade Federation ship. You I know that was awesome. That was the best part. The Trade Federation ship. Yeah. Yeah. All of that was like super rad. Uh, the the train sequence uh, where you're walking on the train and you're sort of like in a half sleep. I'm calling I'm saying you are. This is Cal. Uh, as Cal is walking through the train after, uh, you know, some of that and, uh, the, where the, this game does like trippy flips really good, like right. where you, you turn around and the train is suddenly the, the very recognizable, like death star halls and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Like it, it does such a good job of like dropping you. Like when that happened, like, uh, like my whole gut sank out from underneath me. I was like, wow. I think um, in the end it was not the death star, right? In the end it was the. Clone War era ship that Cal yeah. was on when he was escaping. Yeah, which would have been like Star Destroyer, uh, pre- uh precursor yeah. to Star Destroyer, pre Star Destroyer, pre 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 Imperial. Yeah, like the the the, <laughs> the Empire does these like uh like you can see it's one of the like visual languages of this is a th- these are the bad guys are these like weird like oval repeating patterns that you can find like right. everywhere from their ships to like the Death Star has them as well. So like it it does such a good job of placing you and obviously like a lot of the like clean white aesthetic. Um, one of the visual languages of Star Wars is very good at like placing you where you are just yeah. from like an empty hallway. You're like, whoa, oh, this is a bad. This is a bad spot to be in um, the train chase. Also uh, uh, being chased down by the Inquisitors was pretty fun. It's another one of those quick time eventy things where. Um, yeah. You know, you're you're running from a ship. The, the the train is falling apart as you're like climbing around on it. Yeah, uh, that reminds me of the opening of Uncharted 2. I didn't I've never played an Uncharted game. I got to. Oh, OK, I got I've to only played one in the intro to two, but okay. the intro to two is the same thing. Like you're you're trying to get up a, a falling structure. Oh, fun. Yeah. So the other other points of this, the way that they introduced the characters, I really liked desperate moments where it felt inevitable that Cal would do certain things like use the force to save Prowf, mm-hmm. uh, where Prowf does a really good fake out. And is like, I think it's time someone came forward and said something that oh, honestly yeah. faked me out. Like I, I really thought that Prowf was going to save himself and give up Cal. But of course, Prowf sacrifices himself for nothing because Cal just, goes and tries to save him anyway of course classic himbo bullshit classic yeah. uh, dumb yeah. hero and i Gotta but i also it. love that this is a consistent theme that you see in star wars of you can always find the jedi because they are always trying to rescue someone they'll never let an innocent die uh when that when they're right in front of them it's the same thing that we heard in obi-wan kenobi right at yeah. the beginning of that which is a problematic series but i like the intro to that of you know you find the jedi by putting them in a position where they need to help somebody it's it's uh, they they use their kindness against them. It's a really interesting aspect of the Inquisitors. Yeah, I think they did a good job with Prof as well. Like uh, the Abinetto dudes, that that's their um, uh, the the alien race. Elo uh, Asti was one of those in the the Force Awakens. Okay. Um, uh, sort of. So it's they're doing a good job of tying in the new canon with the old stuff uh, by putting this man here, but. Um, yeah, his his little flip was was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> uh, and because uh, <laughs> I, I don't know why I, I thought like they'd really fooled me. I didn't think this guy was going to fall on the side of like 
I, I don't know if it's that he's an alien. <laughs> I don't know if that's why, but I was like, this guy is not going to be. Uh, You're a speciesist. I think maybe I am. I, I guess that's the empire in me. There um, you go. But yeah, he, uh, he, great character. I, I think they did a great job. Also, the voice acting was pretty great on him. Uh, like I, yeah, it was. I, I was warmed to him pretty, pretty good before that. The way he was like sort of the way that uh, he leads Cal on to try and get uh, to try and help him get, you know, through the the junk. Um, he's a, he was a fun character to run around with. Uh, yeah, he sh- was. Sh- shame to watch him go. Yeah, you know, something that else that I really like in this setting is, you know, I know people criticize the diner scene in Attack of the Clones where it's like, why is They're there wrong. a weird old-timey diner in Obi-Wan Kenobi's anyway? But the the subway, the 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 junk trader subway was a really great site and yeah, it did feel a little New York City-ish, but it also just felt like a dingy Star Wars ship and yes. and I love that blend. It was really well done. Dexter Jexter was a uh, J- Dexter Jetster was a great character and anyone who has problems with episode two and like uh, any kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, noir Obi-Wan are completely wrong because that's like the coolest part of that movie. Oh, it uh, is. It is. It's just the, uh, the, the diner was a little weird. It was a little jarring. That setting. it was very George Lucas. If you're a George Lucas yeah. fan and apologist, uh, which I'm I would say I am a fan, not an apologist. Uh, I, 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 I will call him out for his bad headedness uh, in certain situations. But like that stuff is kind of all over Star Wars, like even in the original trilogy, maybe not exact like an exactly 50 di- 50s diner ran by a robot yeah. and a, a, yeah. a four armed alien. But like, you know, that kind of stuff has colored everything about Star Wars. Lizzo's um, in Star Wars now, so there's no rules anymore. Absolutely. I mean, Han Solo had dice hanging from the mirror of the Millennium Falcon. Like that's an actual that's thing. That's true. So like, you know, that's it's it's not you're, he's not coloring too far outside the lines. Right. Exactly. Let's move on to the fight between second sister and Cal and the way that he ends up on the mantis. I thought that they did a great job sort of selling me on the desperation of Cal here and that he just he did not trust the people on the mantis, but he was out of options. Yeah, it was an escape avenue. It was a really great inciting incident, right? It, It just really got him out of his comfort zone. It got him on the run. It got him needing to do something at least to get away from the Empire. Yes. Um, I didn't trust Seer immediately because she's Sabathun in <laughs> in Destiny. <laughs> oh. So like uh Sabathun's like Is, uh, is a that tr- a bad person? <laughs> it is a trickster god of a weird genocidal alien race. Uh, I would say that's a bad person. I would say broadly, yes, bad person. <laughs> <laughs> but she does such a great uh, dripping with evil portrayal of that character. And um, in this game, like these are just these actors faces. So like it's you're, you know, you're seeing a performance from these actors. They did mocap on their faces and stuff. So it's, it's her likeness as well. The actress. Uh, uh, oh my gosh. Debra Deborah Wilson is her name. Uh, so I had a very hard time for the entire game. Trusting here. And uh I, I enjoyed the introduction of her and Grease a lot, but I was I did definitely turn a side eye to see her. Like, all right, all right, I'm watching. I get this it. I get it. She was a little tricky. She was uh, a little <laughs> tricky to trust. And she was the whole time. We keep getting reasons to distrust her too. I mean, and she it, does give you that side eye like crazy all the time. Like, I've got some secrets. Yeah, she's uh, she. Uh, it looks like a blood vessel is ready to pop in her head at any moment. She's yeah. she's just very stressed out. 
it's you know we keep finding out that there's more to her past than she wants to let on it's suspicious right away because he's like i'm a jedi but i cut myself off from the force it's okay why'd you do that though that's that's a pretty big deal to do that i mean i guess it's less of a big deal because we literally have luke doing that in the new star wars trilogy but uh (laughs) the last jedi aside the last jedi aside it does seem a little suspicious that she did that and that she's she's like no man you got to be the jedi i can't do it yeah yeah, a lot of uh, you're the main character of this video game. I can't, I can't help you. You have to do it, right? So let's move on to Bagano. Now aboard the Mantis, it's Captain Seer, a former Jedi who has cut herself off from the Force, convinces Cal to visit the Jedi Temple on Bagano. With the help of a droid named BD One, Cal navigates the planet and arrives at the entrance to a vault built by an ancient civilization called the Zepho. A hologram of Cordova, the former owner of BD-1 and former master of Seer, tells Cal that the vault contains a holocron with the names of Force-sensitive children, which would allow the possessor to rebuild the Jedi Order. Cal is given clues to go to Zepho and Dathomir to face the trials necessary to access the vault. I, th- I think a pretty good pretty good opening section. You know, it, it really does introduce you to the main motivation of it, you know, find, track down a holocron, which again, I don't know if you watch this Clone Wars arc, but there is a Clone Wars arc where Anakin recovers a, a holocron as well with the names of Jedi younglings. on it. <laughs> of, yeah. Uh, but, uh, basically the same kind of holocron. And uh, it's kind of funny that now Darth Vader is doing the opposite and he's, he's trying to steal it from the Jedi so that he can track them down. Yeah. Um, the, I really enjoy just how, like, especially from the Clone Wars, because that was, I, I'm fairly certain it was Palpatine doing that so he could kill everyone, <laughs> like all yeah, of the Force-sensitive so. children. Yeah. So, like, it's just such a, like, scary thing uh, uh, of, like, you know, the putting a, such a huge target on the on these children. Um, so uh, I always found that that really... Um, like a motivating thing. And when I found they were doing it on this, I was like, holy crap, are they going to tie it directly into that? Like into the thing from the clone wars, which they kind of did and kind of didn't. Um, I'd say mostly didn't. It's just a similar story. Um, yeah. I don't even think it's the same holocron, right? Because that one was not. in the Jedi archive. What happened to that holocron? Here's, here's a little bit of a pothole here. Anakin successfully recovers that holocron at the end mm-hmm. and absolutely could have accessed the Jedi archives. Why does he now need a different holocron that has the question. names of force sensitive younglings? Let's just ignore it because Star Wars is full of plot holes. And if we focus on them, we will never get through this story. Yeah, it's a story for children. <laughs> whatever, whatever people go too crazy, like, what, what, uh, but yeah, actually, I'm like, no, it's a kid's story. It's just fun. So we're allowed it's to a enjoy kid's it story premised on a genocide. Exactly. Um, it's, it's yeah. Galactic yeah. trade disputes is how it starts. Um, exactly um i uh what do you think about bd1 i liked him he was fun he's i would say other than b2 emo this is the droid who has made me feel the most for a droid i know r2's fun he's like the classic everybody's favorite droid and and he's sassy but i'm never like super sold on like the heart of r2 right and i don't think it's until recently that they really started humanizing the droids more and uh, so B2 Emo and Andor did a really good job of that. This did a really good job of that. I really felt for BD1 mourning his former owner as he learns more about their relationship and really starting to trust Cal 
I mean, it's almost like a monkey droid. It's almost like his pet monkey compared yeah. to like the dog droids we usually see. Yeah, I found that the the way that they sort of ambulate BD-1's eyes and like it gave uh, that droid a lot of emotion. Yeah. And um, like the voice work on droids has always been really good. Actually, I think it was. Oh, my God. Um, I think it was the guy who did all of the sounds that did the voice for BD-1. Yeah, it was Ben Burt that did the voice for BD-1, which is such a huge boon for just the cred of this because Ben Burt did all of the sound, like every Star Wars sound that you can think of that is iconic uh, was done by that man. Um, Interesting. Yeah, like he's the one you you can find old videos of him with like a hammer or a mallet hitting like a big giant like electric tower hit, hitting like a wire and getting exactly a blaster sound from it. So like it, huh. it does add a lot of like cred to to the voice of BD1, which is so important. He um, did a good job. And that, now we have Dave Filoni, of course, voicing Chopper and Rebels and probably in Ahsoka. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, I think Bill Hader had something to do with uh, with uh, who's the ball? BB-8. Uh, oh. He had something to do with that. Yeah. The, the, the sounds are another one of those big, important things. Uh, one thing that I did want to kind of touch on um, musically, uh, there's a team of three people who were directors for the music one of them being gordy hobb um he's been doing star wars music and gaming for a very long time Hmm. and he uh is very good at making john williams-esque music so like if if you like i've heard pieces where like i don't recognize that and i know star wars music like the back of my hand uh Mm -hmm. and it's like this sounds so authentic gordy hobb's your man uh, he he uh, he's done like a lot of like themes for planets that didn't exist for John Williams to score them. Um, but yeah, so if you see the name Gordy Hobb attached to a Star Wars project or like an Indiana Jones project, you're probably in for a good time. I'll say that uh, and, nice. and we'll get back to the story. Is he involved with the Bethesda Indiana Jones? Do we know? I don't know. Uh, I haven't really looked into that yet. Uh, I did do a brief uh, once over over um, their uh, their catalogs this morning uh for all three of those uh directors steven barton gordy hobb and nick laviers hmm. um i only recognized gordy from uh because i i heard an interview of him back in the day talking about um star wars battlefront the <laughs> the one that was uh you know people hated it because of the microtransactions when it first came out yeah yeah but yeah. um musically rock solid uh can't yes it is honestly battle battlefront 2 i think is the one you're talking about and uh that one Honestly, it did come out as a cash grab, but I had a lot of fun with the main story. I did not buy any microtransactions, and I I just had a blast playing with my friends. So they have also done a lot of work to make that game less microtransactioning. But yes, it's a little too late. It's a little too late. I don't think there's going to be a Battlefront three. Right. Anyway, as far um, as the rest of this plot on Zepho, I'm sorry, on Bagano, uh, what do we think of Cordova? Cordova is fun as a um I think it's always cool to have like the the person in the the hologram sort of leading you around. Uh-huh. Uh I didn't mind him. I thought he I thought well, okay, I thought he was a little boring as a dude, but you know, <laughs> as a plot as a plot device he was fine. Um Yeah. And he, and he doesn't think, show up too much, so you don't have, you don't have to have a beer with him. Exactly. He gave good, uh, wise Jedi vibes. So I was, I was liking him, uh, about that. Um, 
uh, real quick diversion. If I say the name Elon Sleaze Bagano, does that mean anything to you? Is that a, a derogatory remark about Elon Musk? It's not. Um, oh, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what if I said the sentence, do you want to buy any death sticks? Does I that mean would not. I don't know anything. I don't want to sell you death sticks? No. I want to go home and rethink my life? No. The character from <laughs> that tries to offer uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi some death sticks in episode two whenever they go into the bar. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you want to buy some death sticks? That guy, his name okay. is Elon Sleaze Bagano, and we're on planet Bagano. It's spelled different, but that's <laughs> all I kept thinking of the entire time I was on that planet. That's funny. That's I know. funny. Sorry. That should be maybe one of my last diversions, but whenever, every time I saw the name on the map or whatever, I was like, hey, you want to buy some death sticks? Well, that's a good way to to bring in. I'm going to be watching, and I hope you'll be watching with us if you have time. Uh, uh, we're doing, doing a live watch of Attack of the Clones on our Discord server because we're going to be oh covering it later this month. I would love and to. And that's going to be on July. It's going to be the week of July 9th to 15th. So we'll we'll keep posted on our Discord and on our Patreon and on our Twitter if you want to know how to watch that on our Discord server. But you can just join in. It's uh, it's going to be exclusively for patrons, but uh, that's okay because it's only $3 a month and you will... If you really want to watch it, it's probably cheaper than buying it on Amazon. <laughs> Heck yeah. So, yes, I don't remember that from Attack of the Clones, but now I'm going to pay attention to it. As far as the rest of this, I think that it was a decent way to introduce where you need to go, a decent way to introduce the main conflict. Again, I uh, we've already talked about this. I don't love that they give you the option to go to Dathomir right away. I think it was kind of pointless, and it just made me a little frustrated that I got stuck after just a little while. But... Minor criticisms aside, I was happy with this section. Yeah, it does a good job of like, here, do some puzzles, play some video game. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna drip feed you a little bit of story. You can you know get your get your hands on the controller, and this is how you move around. This is how the game is played. It did that, and then uh, you know, like the obvious, like telling you where to go or le- letting you know where you can move on to next uh, it is a good stepping stone. Planet, yeah. Let's move on to Zepho and Kashyyyk. So I'm lumping these together because they're kind of back and forth and it's basically the same plot. Uh, the Mantis's pilot, Grease Dritus, takes them to Zepho, uh, the homeworld of the ancient civilization Cordova pointed Cal to. Finding it occupied by the Empire, Cal makes his way to the ancient temple. There, Cordova points him in the direction of Kashyyyk to find a Wookiee named Tarful. On Kashyyyk, Cal meets Saw Gerrera, a rebel fighting the Empire's occupation of the planet. Cal is unsuccessful in finding Tarful, but frees Wookiee prisoners with Saw. I I had fun with Saw. Did you have fun with Saw? I did. Um, I was very good at not being spoiled on this game. So when I saw uh when I saw Saw Gerrera's fucking head coming down, uh I was like, oh, my God, because he yeah, like me just too. meets yeah. you. He crawls up and like sees you on your your ATST, which every time I, I get to walk around on a walker, I'm very happy about it. Uh, that was I found really cool, by the way, whenever you get to. Um, yeah. Uh, Kashyyyk and you you like have to climb uh, an Imperial Walker and get in there. I thought that, yeah, was, that was really cool. cool. Um, a really cool, fun way to do that. And uh, I was definitely shocked by uh, Saw Gerrera being there. Um, Really liked yeah. it. Yeah. Really good section of the game. I thought this was this was where the game got a little stronger for me. 
the the story wise and even though I, I found the puzzles and exploration of Kashyyyk pretty fun you have to get through a lot of sort of imperial bases and then the the great trees that you have to sort of work around are a lot of fun it's a really unique environment I I think Kashyyyk is an underexplored area in Star Wars generally and I'm I glad think so that we too. went there here like um, I like that they the way you find out about Kashyyyk is that the the Kashiki wood on uh, on Zepho right is and that's where uh, you find your connection to Captain Tarfels, uh, right, which is cool, um, and uh, yeah, like the only th- time I can think of being on and in Kashyyyk is obviously Episode Three, and then in uh, Force Unleashed, uh, uh, that character uh is from Kashyyyk. Okay. Uh, that's where the game starts when you're, you start that game as Darth Vader, just destroying Kashyyyk oh, and killing a bunch of Wookiees and stuff. But, uh, and you find, uh, I can't remember his name, that character's name. That's not, not like not a Canon game, but it's a very fun star Wars game. Karn especially. or something like that. It's some, it's, Oh no, that's Karn from Andor. Yeah. Kyle uh, something star killer is what oh, they star call killer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I've heard, I've heard of this guy. I've never played the game. That's why I'm, I have no idea. It's a pretty kick-ass game. If you like star Wars power fantasy, especially with force powers, it's a good one. You pull it uh spoiler alert. You pull a fucking, uh, uh, star destroyer out of the sky. Awesome. That's pretty cool. Um, it is. It's very metal. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, I really liked being on Kashyyyk, uh, being uh, a beautiful world. Um, yeah, uh, they did a great job there. Um, I did get uh, this is the only time I really got into like customizing the lightsaber as I was playing through. Uh, okay. And uh, I definitely was like, man, let's know the last of us <laughs> as far as like the workbench goes. No, uh, no, it's very simple. It's very simple. But it was I will say the the lightsabers themselves are very detailed and I appreciate that. Definitely. Yeah. Back on Zepho, Cal is ambushed by second sister who he learns is really Trilla, the former Padawan of Seer turned Inquisitor. Seer originally sent Trilla into hiding, but gave up Trilla's location under Imperial torture. Cal discovers what he needs to enter the vault, which is an artifact called the Astrium, but is captured by a bounty hunter before he can search for it. Cal then fights in an arena before being rescued by the crew. Man, this arena scene came out of nowhere, huh? Yeah, I was really surprised. Uh, I, I love a gladiatory arena that, uh, you know, video games do this more often than I feel like TV <laughs> shows and stuff do, where you just yeah. like, oh, well, now you're captured and you got to you got to fight in a big arena. Yeah. Um, yeah. Second sister. Uh, very, very cool character. Yes. Uh, uh, she falls on the rich Star Wars tradition of a character saying nouns different for no reason. Um, <laughs> so a lot of the time you get like a Han and a Han situation. Uh, yeah. Uh, she's a Padawan and a Holocron person. She doesn't say Padawan or Holocron. She says Padawan and Holocron for no reason. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just Star say, Wars pronunciations end up being mushmash. It just makes me laugh every time. Like they just, I feel like they do this on purpose. Like the same movie will get nouns wrong. <laughs> not, well, yeah. not even wrong. There's just like different characters saying a different Maz, Maz, Kanata. The Maz Millennium Kanata. Falcon, the Millennium Falcon. Falcon. Yeah. Right, yeah. Whatever it is. It's just such a rich Star Wars tradition. Um, also, I think Trilla looks great. Like what a, what a badass look that they gave her. Um, yeah. She sounds great. Uh, she delivered excellent. She's giving excellent Star Wars villain. Um, she is. 
I think she crushed it. Yeah. I I mean, the, the Inquisitors are some of the most interesting designs in the Imperial era. In Rebels, you have that one Inquisitor who can literally spin their lightsaber fast enough to use as a, a helicopter, basically. <laughs> yeah. That's a little absurd the same, to me. They're the same sabers. Uh, that you, if, you, if you look at those sabers, they do spin, and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but they're not flying with them. Right. Uh, but yeah, they they are the the spinny double sided <laughs> sabers. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty goofy, but you know what are you gonna do? But it's a cartoon, uh, so we forgive it. Exactly. It's uh, it's one of the things that uh, one of the Star Wars problems is that the rule of two kind of makes it a little bit unbalanced because you kind of do want to see it like a field full of red lightsabers and blue lightsabers right. fighting, but you can't get that because you're only allowed to have uh, a master and an apprentice of the Sith. So I think making the inquisitors be like a different thing is cool. Like they're still dark yeah. force users. They're just not quote unquote the Sith. Yeah. I mean, the thing about the rule of two is once Palpatine gets in power, he's like, fuck it. We'll do it live. He's, he's very, yeah. he's, he's very willing to bend the rule of two. I mean, he, he willingly lets Dooku have basically an apprentice for a while, although he, he puts an end to that. At some point, he, you know, he's got Darth Maul, even though he's already got Dooku. He's he does not care. He is he is fully willing to break the rules. And when Vader says, I'd like I'd like a little army of of not Sith, but not quite Jedi people. And Palpatine goes, yeah, all right, whatever, whatever, man, go for it. Go for it. They're your toys. I dare you. I dare you to try and kill me with these these dumb asses. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, so, yeah, I always enjoy to see that, uh, that that, you know, that the rule of two isn't so uh, uh, hard and fast of a rule that they can they can still have some cool villainy villains. Yeah. Yeah. I love the rule of two as a narrative device. It, it is a little bit of a limiting factor in terms of characters. Yes. Uh, they have a little uh, family dinner in the ship, by the way, that I really <laughs> enjoyed. Uh, you know, they, they grease makes them all some slag steaks or whatever he makes. And uh, they, they all there's like a second where they just all kind of are sitting around the table enjoying like a family dinner around this part. I thought yeah, they do fun. a good job of getting the camaraderie together and making you feel like this is a family, you know? Yeah. And the design of the mantis is really, really cool, too. I love like all the the, the plants on the inside. Um, and the, the, I didn't like how much planet hopping that we ended up having to do, but the process of doing that was awesome because there's no like load screens. There's just like people talking, you know, you're, you're hanging out and then you just watch the stars stretch out in front of you, uh, and you're there. So I, I thought that was like mechanically done very well. Right. Yeah, no, that, that was really good. I liked that you had to, you know, go sit down for the final loading. Yeah, that, that was the thing. Grease is like, hey, Cal, come sit down. We're about to, yeah, uh, that was really, really cool. Yeah, I, I, Grease, it's kind of funny because Grease does not seem like the guy with seatbelt rules, but he, uh, he apparently is when you need to load a screen. For sure. Like, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's got like sort of a, like a union safety rep thing. Like, you know, like exactly like it doesn't seem like he'd be there for the rules, but, uh, you know, if it's in the manual, he's going to do it by God. He's got to keep his, he's got to keep his, uh, his bonus or whatever. Yep. Uh, yeah, I like, I like him. He's a, he's a fun character. Yeah. This whole reveal of Trilla's origin did you did this make you trust Sir Lest? And also, did you did you see a redemption arc for Trilla or Seer after this? 
Huh. Um, I did not, it didn't make me, it didn't adjust my feelings on Seer very much. Because um, you I already hated raise, her. I was skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I um, I thought it was a cool reveal. Um, very, very Star Wars in that everyone is connected no matter what. Um, uh, and um, it did add, like, it made me care more about both of them, that they were connected. Um, okay. So I, I think it was efficient storytelling there. Um, but yeah, the, I, I, and it was a good reveal. Like you see her face and uh, for, for one, she's not like a scarred damn. She's just like a person under there. And a lot of the times with villains, you don't get that, especially in Star Wars, because they're either like a, you know, just horribly disfigured or be like a weird kind of alien. But she's just a lady under there. Uh, like a normal person. So that it, it shows like, uh, and she doesn't have the yellow Sith eyes or whatever. <laughs> so like there, yeah. I, I would have bought a, um, a redemption arc for her, but yeah. she also did such good evil dripping dialogue and stuff. And she seems yeah. so bonded to the cause. The, the Vaderish effects on her voice were perfect. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, the anytime you put a character in a helmet in Star Wars, they do such a good like job with the filtery. Yeah, yeah, like all that's good. That boxy feel to the voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it feels menacing even though it's a limiting filter, right? Yes. Yeah. So the crew heads back to Kashyyyk, where Tarful has been found. Tarful tells Cal to visit the Origin Tree where Cordova's hologram tells him that the Astrium is on Dathomir. Before leaving Kashyyyk, Cal is attacked by Nine's sister and defeats her in a duel. Boy, so there's a lot here that I, I didn't even mention. You know, you, you've got that big giant bird that's Kashyyyk helping you bird, out. Yeah, I the Kashyyyk yeah. bird. Uh, you've got the Nine sister duel, which I thought was was challenging and really fun. I thought I thought this was more challenging than any other duel in the game, even really? even at the end. Hmm. Yeah, I I could agree with that. Like this one did feel pretty challenging. It was an interest. Uh, she fought interestingly. Yeah, yeah, that was that was I guess the most unique fight in the game. Whereas I thought second sister fought in a more expected way. Were you using double bladed lightsaber for this fight or did you uh, knock it down to one? I don't remember because I played this two months ago now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I only had the option of the one lightsaber uh, for this fight. So, um, yeah. So so this was a fitting end to her. I thought it was a solid end to this character. Uh, I'm glad that we were able to to figure out how to narrow it down to just second sister. Yeah, uh, the focus, bringing the focus on to like one main villain, I think was a good, good idea. And it gives Cal like his kind of first taste of being like, uh, like a, a Jedi. Where like before he was kind of just like, he felt, I think a little bit disconnected from the whole thing. Uh, here he defeats a Sith, a Sith wielder, not Sith, dark side wielder. And, uh, I think he did it fairly handily. So I think think maybe he gets a little bit more confidence after this, I think. Yeah, just to have it shattered in the next arc. <laughs> yep. So let's get there. Let's get there. Uh, but first, we're going to take a quick break.
And we're back. On Dathomir, Cal is attacked by Marin, the last surviving Night Sister, who sends legions of undead Night Sisters and Night Brothers against him. Cal has a hallucination of his escape from Order 66 and abandonment of his master, Jaro Tapal, leading to a duel with the specter of his master, which destroys Cal's kyber crystal. Cal then meets former Jedi Taran Malikos, who survived Order 66 on Dathomir and convinced Marin to teach him the Night Sister's magic before betraying her. Marin attacks them both, leading to Cal's escape. Again, this happened to me. Not all of it, but the Marin attack happened way earlier, which mm-hmm. really, I think, ruined the the arc of this planet for me. Yeah. But once I got back into it, I thought the character of Malikos was really interesting. I really liked that Marin was a sort of misguided and and pained person just in grief, trying to figure out how to move forward when she has nobody. There, there's a lot of good stuff here. And then, of course, the confrontation with Jaro Tapal, which I should mention is a Lasat, which is the same race as Zeb from Rebels. And a lot of people think that this was their attempt to sort of see how a live action Lasat would look. So that when they when they decide to bring him into the Star Wars universe live action, they will know how to do the CGI and know how people reacted to it. That's interesting. Yeah, I thought I thought um, the Lasat looks good, like especially like look at uh, look at like uh, the the prof character. Like, I think it's not that different um, yeah. as far as, you know, a Star Wars alien goes. I, th- I think he looks great. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you you look great. Uh, 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 oh God, Jaro Tapal. Um, yeah, I really loved the Order sixty six flashback. Me too. Awesome. Yeah, they used that uh, mournful music uh, from that era uh, from Order sixty six from the movies. Uh, they used that same sound cue as you're just watching Jaro Tapal just fucking wreck house through all these dudes in like that cool uh, thing where you're. Uh, you know, you're opening doors for him so he can just, uh, you know, right. slay. Uh, and it's just such a cool little scene um, with that, like, sad music playing. Um, uh, did you have any other, ne- like, uh, I-, I always found that, like, when the the clones flip on a dime, whenever yep. Order 66 is engaged, it's always so arresting. And they, they it's, it's one of the most interesting parts about the prequels is that yeah. like mind control flip of all of these clones who you you grow all the jedi like they were like bros with all the jedi yeah um and it's just such a chilling flip whenever it happens and they turn on them i think it's one of the coolest darkest things that star wars has ever done yeah i mean it's it's especially dark when you know from the clone wars that they knew what they were doing and they tried to resist it a lot of them yeah and they just couldn't they just couldn't resist it. And I think they have Rex crying as he's trying to kill people and trying to kill Ahsoka. And and finally, finally, Ahsoka is able to pull him out of it. And we'll, we'll talk about this arc on our Ahsoka retrospective, so I won't go deep into it here. But just this idea of like these people are just having their bodies basically commandeered by Order 66. They're not. When, and they didn't. They were really never even their bodies themselves. anyway. They were like made in the lab to do a, a job. Right. So like it's just the 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 plight of the clone is just such a sad one from start to finish. Yeah. And the short life really because is. they have half a lifespan. They do have half a lifespan unless you're Boba Fett or uh, perhaps <laughs> another clone that I guess I'll, I'll save for the Bad Batch for you. 
yeah, we'll get into that, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, really liked this whole section. Dathomir's metal as hell. Um, the Dathabat fight uh, was like a great <laughs> spectacle. Uh, this is the game's yeah. second big bird, and I didn't get sick of it. Uh, a little long, a little bit of a long cinematic yeah. fight, but yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't really hate it. Um, but like stuff like that fight is what makes like Star Wars animation and games really cool. Um, you know, the movies have never shied away from, you know, the the spectacle. Yeah, but, but it's usually a worm. It's exactly. nice to get away from the worms. <laughs> it is uh, just the, the 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 ability to be there on on the the back of the the Dathabat was great. Um, I, I really enjoyed that whole section. Um, Taron Malikos dropping the robe and just being nude would have been hilarious. He didn't do that though. He just had he drops his robe because he started out as spooky robe man and then he drops it and he's just this like uh, sort he's of not shredded spooky streaker man, but it, yeah. Yeah. I, he's got like he's got a great bad guy look and it's just like such an obvious Star Wars bad man with a Star Wars bad man name Taron Malikos um, great yeah good name great bad good guy name. name good name for a Dathomiri you know uh, uh, Jedi former Jedi Marin Marin's great Marin is great I mean what a vibe what a vibe it's it's like it's almost like goth girl meets star wars and it's yeah. it's so unique like i don't think i've seen this before not even not even ventress got to this level of like goth girl death amiri uh i i think i uh i put her in like a like a i had specific notes on her gothness i think the word <laughs> goth was also used on me and she's got like a great vague accent uh yes, she, she does, does. Sh- she does good death witch accent um I love the ball sack graves that the uh, the zombie witches are are floating around in until Marin sets them loose. <laughs> um, those were very cool, uh, and just like all the just super gross and metal things that witches do, like uh, I think she's a great uh, vector for that to happen. The Night Sisters have always been a really interesting thing to me in the Star Wars universe because they're not evil, all of them at least, but they are for sure tapping into the dark side. Yeah, and it's 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 a it's one of those ways that like it shows that the force is not all Jedi and Sith. The force is all around us. It binds us. It is the rock. Right. So like it just shows like how it can be tapped into different ways. Different cultures do it. You know how they all have their own way of doing it. Yeah, uh, it's it's a lot more interesting than just straight up good versus evil. Push and, versus lightning. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And And that's that's why I'm like. Man, this is this is fascinating that we actually have a morally gray character finally coming in as Marin. She's one of my favorite new characters of the Disney era. I agree. I think uh, she was one of the highlights of this game for me, for sure. Which is uh, why like, it sucks that she comes in in the last quarter of the game. Yeah, put her closer to the beginning, which I guess, you know, you got for me, it kind of was, but it didn't matter. Right. Cause cause she, she just leaves and I forgot who she was. Yeah. Yeah, very cool stuff. Let's move on to the next plot point. With a broken kyber crystal, Cal feels God, hopeless. We didn't talk about that. Well, we are going to now. Seer admits to what happened with Trilla and adds more to the story. When the Inquisitor Trilla was presented to Seer, she used the dark side to kill everyone in the room, but failed to kill Trilla. The crew heads to Ilum, and Cal rebuilds his lightsaber, repurposing Seer's lightsaber to make a dual wielding set. 
what a great moment. First of all, I've not seen someone break a Kyber crystal before. That was very unique to me, especially since it was basically a specter who did it. Yeah. Um, one of the cool things about um, it's the it's sort of the classic like Luke fighting Darth Vader on Dagobah situation. Yeah, I think I think um, that uh, uh, Dathomir is like a great place for that because it's obviously a, just a place dripping in the dark side. Right. Um so I, I enjoyed the the sort of knots that Cal's tummy were, you know, torn into as he was fighting Spectre, Jaro Tapal. And yeah, the breaking yeah. of the crystal, like the crystal lore, I think, is one of the coolest things that they've added. Um, yeah. Um, back in the day, it was different. Like it was just like that was all that the crystal did was power lightsabers. And like the reason why Sith lightsabers were red is because they were just mass produced crystals made by, you know, a factory or whatever. I think that's right. the way it was back in the old camp. Yeah, it was. They were so uh, Yeah, the way that they they've changed it to where like they're it's a it's a, like a weirdly more like um they say that they bleed the kyber crystal the, to make yeah, it Yeah, they red. bleed the crystal to make it red, which is why Ahsoka's turned white because she's like a you know, like gray or whatever. But I I, I think it's uh, having a more spiritual connection uh is a very interesting thing to do with these crystals. The crystals call to you. It's a one ring situation. Um, you're, you know, it's, it's, you're, you're spiritually connected to this tiny little piece of rock. And I, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. It's magical. It's one of the ways that, um, Star Wars is space fantasy. It is not sci-fi. Right. Right. Yeah. No, the Kyber crystal lore is really great. Ilum especially, I think is a really cool idea of these crystals will present themselves to you. You know, you have a crystal. Yes. That's presenting itself to you. You have this mystical thing that's calling out to you. And it's meant for you. Ilum as a place is really interesting because like it, they sort of started and stopped in the new, like the newer sequel era of like sort of working on this. Uh, they, they had Ilum in the uh, Clone Wars era as well, but Ilum is what eventually becomes Starkiller base. Um, oh, really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, so Ilum, it was the place where all the Jedi would go and get their kyber crystals because it is just a place like full of kyber crystals. Right. The Empire literally hollows the place out, farming for crystals for the Death Star. Death Stars. Right. So so um since the place got hollowed out, they turned it into a big space station, big power weapon with the remaining crystals. Thus you have Starkiller Base. Uh, which is kind of sad because you know that it was such a storied planet with so much history and they just turned it into a big giant weapon when it used to be like, you know, such a a rite of passage, right? Yeah. 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 The, um, the, the episodes where, and I don't remember the names of them, but the episodes of the Clone Wars where they go to Ilum and the younglings get their crystals, really well done episodes, really well done. And this was, I, I think a similar vibe, even though he's not, he's not quite a youngling anymore, Cal, but he is someone who is broken and needs a new kyber crystal and something that I didn't realize really, I guess it didn't click for me until we saw the flashback with T'Pol and in the hallucination in the last plot point we're talking about is he didn't even have his own lightsaber the whole time. That was Jaro T'Pol's lightsaber. He had lost his lightsaber on the, the ship in the clone wars. So this is really Cal's first lightsaber in the game. That's his only. Yeah. Yeah, and that's such a great thing when he drops it because it makes you think of Anakin and Obi-Wan. Right. uh, You can tell, obviously, Anakin has lost a saber or two and Obi-Wan just just expresses such frustration. 
and and uh, yeah. Jar Jabal kind of does the same thing. He's just like, "You're that you're supposed to hold on to that, all right." <laughs> and so if, you know, he gives him his. That's why yours has the crispy end is because you know because you right. got it from him. So the dual wielding, this was a lovely surprise for me. Did you enjoy this, and did you end up using it for a lot of the rest of the game? Um, I found myself single sabering for the most part, but the dual wielding was pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know about it either. I thought that um, uh, back to Force Unleashed in the first Force Unleashed game, you had one and it was kind of like Force Unleashed 2. Now you dual wield. Uh, <laughs> so for some reason, like I, I I thought maybe that was what they were going to go for. Like I didn't know dual wielding was going to be or the double sided one was going to be a thing, really, except that it did give you the clue because one has a burnt end. So you're like, ah, you could stick another lightsaber on here. <laughs> but yeah, I was I was I was a little surprised about it. Um, yeah. So I'm with you. Uh, I did use it occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it it wasn't really a mode. It was more of a, a power up in a combo. Yeah. But I, I liked it a lot. I thought it, it added something to the combat. Again, I really have not played a lot of the second game yet. And I, I want to turn to it now that we're talking about the first one. Mm-hmm. But I, I've heard that they don't really take away any of your powers going into the second game, which is Good. a really nice thing that more games should do. Um, but this uh, this was a really cool way to amp up the combat going into the end part of the game. I kind of wish they gave it to me earlier, but I still enjoyed yeah. it for what it was. Yeah, I agree. Back on Dathomir, Cal confronts his master Spectre again and makes peace with his guilt. He retrieves the Astrium and is attacked by Malakos, but defeats him with the help of Marin. After Cal convinces Marin that he's not the enemy and she should focus her energy on fighting the Empire, Marin joins the crew. Marin joining the crew was one of my favorite parts of the game. Okay, I'm going with you. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know why I didn't expect it. Um, whenever they started talking, and it was obvious that she wasn't going to be a villain, uh, I was like, I want them. I want them to date so hard. It was the fastest I've ever like, like, like wanted a couple to happen <laughs> in, a, in, in a game that I could think. <laughs> I know. Of. I know. Everybody was shipping them so hard. I was because I, I immediately was like, I love this lady. Like she's the best. Can um, I tell you something, though, that if you listen, this is spoilers for the book that comes in between the games. So if you don't want spoilers for that, skip ahead a few minutes. But I'm telling you, this book is terrible, so you don't really need to and you don't need to read it. Um, I read this book and it was horribly written and it was written like a trashy romance novel. Oh. And it's uh, partly told from the perspective of Marin. And the one of the things that she keeps doing is she admires this woman that they pick up. That's a former stormtrooper. Okay. And she just keeps talking about how much she likes her neck and things like that. It's like so weird and like weirdly written as a romance. And people were so mad that she was romantically interested in someone besides Cal because people shipped them so hard. They thought they had (laughs) so much chemistry at the end of the game. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. the only other thing you need to know from that book, if you're still here and you want spoilers from it, uh, the only other thing you need to know is that uh, Grease loses an arm in that book. What? That's literally the only. Other, yeah, he loses an arm, but he's got four. So he's, he's just down to three now. He's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's fine. But they make I a big deal of like it, it messes with his flying because his his setup is geared for four arms. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really the only other thing you need to know going into the second game from the book. Interesting. OK, yeah. poor Grease. Poor Grease. Poor Grease. Um, yeah, so I, again, I think we've we've heaped enough praise on Marin. We both really liked her. 
Uh, Malakos was a cool villain. This was a good fight. I don't think there's a lot more to say about this other than I'm happy she joined the crew. Yeah, I uh, I love the way that uh, when you go back and you're talking to her, Malakos is just standing there in a battle arena with no shirt on. Uh, <laughs> just like you can see him in the background while you're talking to Marin. Uh, he's the and, winning boss. Yeah, he's just like standing there like, well, that's a battle arena. I guess I'm going to go fight him. Um, uh, Malakos has some obvious points that the Jedi Order was wrong and dumb. Um, because obviously they were because they got destroyed. Um, uh, he has bl- the blooded red saber crystal. So obviously he did some horrible shit. Um, I think the Astrium is a very hard name to remember. Uh, so I, I, I kept forgetting that a, that it was a thing and B what it was called. Uh, but I was very happy that, uh, she came with, uh, her line survivors. We adapt. Uh, it's yeah. very good, and it's the, the kind of the theme of the whole game. Yeah, and uh, uh, this is another one of the little dinners they were having as uh, as well. Uh, as you you know, as she joins the crew, and as you're sort of uh, packing up, um, she became the funniest character immediately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah. the way she interacts with Grease. Uh, yeah, and, I love how uh, Grease is just like, wait, didn't she just attack us? And Cal's like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, uh, her uh, the 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 whole scaz steaks thing was which was real. I made a scaz steaks joke earlier, but that's what Grease was cooking. And uh, the this is uh, the point where they're discussing um, the holocrons. Uh, did you want to yep. read the next note here, or did you want me to go into this a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Let's uh, let's discuss this. Back on Bagano, Cal uses the Astrium to retrieve the holocron with the list of four sensitive children across the galaxy. To do this, he has to get through a vision where he sees himself rebuild the Jedi Order only to be defeated and join the Empire. After this vision, Trilla attacks Cal and takes the holocron to Fortress Inquisitorius on the Mustafarian moon Nur. If you are not a big Star Wars fan, this is so many proper nouns in a row. Yeah. Mustafar Uh, is a big Sith planet. That's all you need to know. And... Fortress Inquisitorious, it's in the name, right? It's the Inquisitor's little fortress. Yes. Yeah, so Marin uh, experiences big brain immediately because they (laughs) they sort of do the plan and then she's like, won't finding the children put them in danger? Uh, And then immediately segues into looking at Grease and very gothly saying, I take my steak rare, uh, which was fun. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We haven't really gotten too much into the Zepho as a people, um, but they're they're kind of like the background of what's going on in all these temples. I thought it was interesting that they suffered the same fate as the Jedi, with their pride being their downfall. Yeah, uh, eventually falling to the uh, to the dark side. Uh, the quote: "the The greater control we sought, the further we fell into ruin," which is yeah. sort of the the macro of what happened to the the Jedi Order in general. Right. Um. This this whole uh, experience of uh, the vision of seeing Cal fall to the dark side was really really cool. Um, yeah, the game this game does visions great. Like when you're seeing yeah, uh, when, this is like the beginning of the game. Whenever the thing becomes the 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 train becomes the um, oh my god comes the the, the empire Star, the, vessel or the yeah 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 like um, this is another one thing like that where you're seeing the, these like visions um, and. Uh, just really cool musically as well. Um, uh, this I think was a, uh, uh, wholly new piece for, for this. 
Um, the Zepho Sage, I think, is pretty cool looking. Um, also, I wonder if they're that big because they never <laughs> really get into that. But the Zepho Sage is huge. All the statues of the Zepho race are huge. So I'm wondering if they're actually like big old giant dudes. They could be. We will never know, though, because we they won't, are gone. Because most of them are gone. Um, uh, they look like Independence Day aliens to me. They've got the big, <laughs> like the big. Will Smith is going to come in and deal with them. <laughs> Hell yeah, he will. Yeah, I, I like their look, and I I like that uh, their uh, plot device basically uh, uh, to mirror the the fall of the Jedi. Um, Imperial Cal was cool. I loved his uh, his his uh, Inquisitory outfit whenever it showed him yeah. uh, with the the red lightsaber and stuff. That was um, cool stuff. I guess in New Game Plus, which I did not do, you can use a red lightsaber if you yeah. want to, which is fun. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's it's just for fun. Just just have fun with the game. It's still mm-hmm. a video game, even if it's Star Wars canon. <laughs> um, I think Trilla has an excellent uh, uh, theme musically. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this. Uh, it's only like two notes. It's like like and it plays every time you fight her. Uh, sorry, I did that. <laughs> but uh, like. <laughs> It's I it's just you. a it's a good sort of dread inducing uh uh little theme that they they wrote for her. Um so anytime she pops in and you fight with her, you get that just like little trill, I'll I'll call it. Um the the trilla trill. Exactly. Uh the trilla trill. Um and her toss uh, like is such a cool thing to toss an object of mass destruction to someone who has psychometry, uh, mm-hmm. such a cool way to, um, to disarm them. Yeah. Um, so when it showed, when he, when he grabbed it and you see like the baby Rodians and you see the first person perspective of Trilla, uh, you see, you get to see and witness Sears dark side explosion. Um, yeah. Yeah, like uh, all of this was very well done, and it obviously humanizes Trilla further because you're seeing what happened to to her, and you're watching, you know, the the whole process of that. Right. Uh, this is a great section of the game that I wish was closer to the beginning of the game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the that's really the biggest criticism of this game. It's lopsided in pl- terms of plot. Yeah. 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 Nothing to complain about here. I had a great time from uh, from this part. Cool. All right, let's wrap up the game. Seer declares herself a Jedi again and knights Cal with Trilla's lightsaber, elevating him from his former Padawan status. The two fight their way through Fortress Inquisitorius, leading Cal to defeat Trilla and recover the holocron. Seer and Trilla work things out, but Darth Vader arrives and kills Trilla. Cal and Seer flee Darth Vader and escape after they cause the tunnel to collapse and let water rush in. Marin saves the pair, and the team celebrates their victory. Against Seer's wishes, Cal destroys the holocron to protect the Force-sensitive children from being found by the Empire. Oof. First of all, Darth Vader. Did you expect to see Darth Vader? I didn't. Um, my uh, going to get into some language here. Uh, when Darth Vader popped up, I literally, it was like two o'clock in the morning and I said out loud to myself, oh fuck, daddy's here. Like <laughs> I had no idea that he was going to pop in and the way that they like brought him out, it was just like, just, it's easy to like forget because we're so entrenched with Darth Vader, but what a 
monster, uh, yeah. like a movie monster, like Darth Vader is. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I was just completely floored and I think they really crushed it. You got to be careful using Darth Vader because yes. got to be sparing. Yes. And I think this game did. Ex- they didn't even call him by his name. Uh, they didn't call him by his title. Nothing. Oh, really? Uh, I didn't even notice that. Yes. Yeah, Here's just like that. Uh Oh, he's here. <laughs> like, yep. like she does. She never says his name. Uh, but Cal's like, because he doesn't know who the fuck this is. Cal, Cal's like, uh Oh, that doesn't look good. And uh, Sears just like, it's not. Uh, we gotta go. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, Trilla also. I was like, I was wondering what was gonna happen with her lightsaber, uh, but she got one real fast. Um. So maybe she got hers right off the 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 lightsaber printing press or whatever they've got there. <laughs> they've um, got plenty of Inquisitor uh, lightsabers there. They, I guess they, so. you're right. They do have a printing press. I, I will say this is maybe the most terrifying version of Darth Vader out there. Short of a rogue, the end of Rogue One. Yes, I was. I, I don't know. I don't know. This this left me more anxious and it might be the medium. It might be because I'm playing a video game and I'm controlling you're running away from him. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> this left me more like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Darth Vader is going to kill me. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's definitely some stuff I want to get into before or uh, before we end, but it's hard to not talk about Darth Vader. Uh, they only really hint at, by the way, musically, they only really hint of uh, uh, at the Imperial March here. Uh, mostly they're you're getting Revenge of the Sith music, um, uh, Battle of the Heroes, uh, uh, that song yep. playing and also like just the um, the. Yeah, but it's it's one of the. Uh, I wrote here that it's the coolest bitchinest part and it's not particularly close of this whole game. Um, just the, 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 as far as like fighting and like the, the, the hype that I felt. Um, yeah. Um, I liked BD and Seer coming in with the save because Vader was about to just destroy you. And then they, they come in and, uh, I love that he's, Vader's exercising his one-handed like half give a shit technique when he's fighting with Cal. It's such like a posturing, like just exuding confidence that David Prowse. Yeah, like initially David Prowse imparted this onto the body language of Darth Vader. It's so specific. Great, 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 great way to portray Vader. Yeah, the the water escape is cool because you know you're not he he didn't win. He just made Darth Vader need to focus on not being right. drowned. Uh, uh, I thought it was uh, I thought it was great use of him. Uh, it was just right. Yeah. Um, before that, though, uh, I really liked that uh, the ritual that they used to sneak past uh, the and get into the fortress. Okay. Where, um, uh, oh gosh, Mirren uses uh, like a like a witch cloaking ritual to hide their ship. Uh, I thought that was a neat thing that I'd never really seen before. Yeah, me and, either. Uh, I mean, with, with the with the Night Sisters, you could just make shit up, right? You like can. you could just it's you could just make stuff up. Anything's possible. That's you it's know, such the, a freeing thing to use in Star Wars if you're a creator. The Force is already magic, but they're witches, baby. This is magic. Right, right. This is magic, um, magic. This is extra, extra notes, forcey. As she was doing this, that I'm a sucker for black lipstick. Uh, so, uh, oh boy! Stretching all the way back to uh, Batman the animated series, all the black stick, black lipstick wearing ladies there. It's like, okay, I like you, Marin. You're my. Favorite. It's amazing that the Dathomir Lipstick Factory is still running with no people left. It's 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 uh, like Willy Wonka's it, factory. 
it's Nobody manned by those zombie witches, those ball yeah. sack witches. Yeah, okay. uh, they're they're yeah, still making the, the lipstick. You, you got Marin just like animating people for long enough to make her lipstick. Yeah. Um, they do. Uh, there's another little Star Wars uh, little uh, trivia Easter egg thingy here where uh, Cal asks Grease, what do you think the odds are? Classic Star Wars line is Han Solo says, never tell me the odds. Um, but Grease says, my money's on you, kid which I think is a great subversion of the never tell me the odds trope. Yeah. Um, uh, the Fortress Inquisitorious is such a cool location. I love that you can see Mustafar in the back. Uh, and also we get to see Seer being a bad motherfucker right here through the end <laughs> as she's destroying uh, some of the, you know, as she's finally being a Jedi again. Um, that's kind of the, the end. I think it was a good idea and it may be like, an obvious idea that they need to destroy the holocron. What, what, what did you think about like the ending where like you're, you know, it's kind of just ends in like, well, we did all this for nothing. <laughs> like, well, what did you think about that? I, I think I think it was very like the true, the true treasure is the friends you made along the way. Right. Like I literally have, have in now. my notes. Uh, <laughs> well, what are we doing here? What did we even just do? Quote, uh, to that, we had an adventure and we made friends along the way, literally in my notes. The, um, <laughs> there's, there's this line in the bear season two where there's, you know, I don't know if you watch season one, but there's, I'm not, I'm definitely going to watch it though. I've okay. heard nothing, but it's really things. good. There's, there's, you know, cousins that are like not really cousins. They're not really related. And somebody says, how are you related to them? And he goes through friendship. And that's, uh, <laughs> it reminds me of, of this very much. So is this found family kind of thing? Hell yeah. I'm a big fan of the found family. Yep. It's a good trope. I think our whole generation is sort of into that. I think so too. Um, it's important. And also people having less children in general as well. So that's part of it. We're infantilizing our dogs. We're making family of friends. I think it's a good thing. Um, also Seer turned out to be a good guy after all I waited until the very end and I was like well okay I guess she's not she's not gonna turn into an evil alien genocidal witch so that's good <laughs> I was skeptical until the credits rolled but yeah overall um, I can say I did not enjoy playing this game but I enjoyed having played this game okay if that makes sense okay so you would not replay no probably not I would, would you play um, the sequel though no, <laughs> well, okay. I, okay. I don't know. Maybe eventually whenever I have a lot more time and maybe I can kind of sink into it. Uh, I've heard good things. Um, I've heard good things about the story, too. Um, so I, I'm interested. I, I want to know what happens with with all my, my new friends I made while playing this game. So um, I'm not completely like never going to play this, but uh, but you, you know, might read I've, the wiki. Basically, I might read the wiki for sure. <laughs> I, uh, for instance, I'm way more interested in playing The Last of Us Part Two than I am playing Jedi Survivor. Jedi, right, right. You know, I think we'll yeah, have but, to visit The Last of Us Part Two when we get closer to season two. But hell yeah, for now we got plenty of stuff to play. We certainly do. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, if you want to write in so that you can talk to us about the next game we're covering, we're going to be covering Final Fantasy 16, which just dropped. It's the most recent game we're covering. It's uh, It's been hard for us to figure out what we want to play next. And we finally settled on let's go play a newer game that is getting a lot of good buzz. I'm a few hours into it. I'm having a great time. 
If you want to write in feedback for that, write into LHP at the lorehounds.com. That's, you know, lorehounds play at the lorehounds.com. And uh, you could also use the lorehounds.com slash contact. You can send in a, a contact form entry. You can do a voicemail even, or you can just join our Discord server. There's a, a whole channel there where you can discuss. Is there? Do we have no. a Lorehounds play channel? We don't have a Lorehounds play channel. We need. All right. There's going to be a channel there for the Lorehounds <laughs> play. I just realized we don't have one. If you want to yell at me about my bad, dumb opinions on video games, feel free to yell at me there and I'll, I'll take that. I'll, I'll accept that load off of you and uh, I'll try and talk you down. Well, there you go. Well, now that we're back to doing these podcasts more regularly, I'm sure there will be chatter on there. Or if people just want to talk about gaming, I think that'll be a good channel to do that in. All right. Uh, with that out of the way, I enjoyed my time with this game. I'm looking forward to playing the sequel. Uh, please come back next month for or maybe maybe in two months. We're going to see we're going to see how this scheduling shakes out. But come back for the next episode where we do Final Fantasy 16. Let's do game. our quick outro here. Um, our Patreon shout outs that we do every episode. We do that because we love our patrons, but we also have our top tier patrons, our $10 lore masters who get a special shout out as part of their benefits every month. Those are Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, S C, Peter O H, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Joyce E, and Andra B. Ooh, that list is getting long. We love it. And uh, thank you all so much for your support. We're doing a drive right now to try to get to 100 patrons by the end of July in honor of our first birthday. Uh, we, we just did an uh, interview with you, Brandon, and we've done interviews with a bunch of our contributors about what it means to be a podcaster, what it means to have this sort of parasocial community. And it's been a lot of fun. We're going to release those conversations as part of our Patreon exclusive second breakfast this month, which will be out later in the month. And um, you can listen to that on our Patreon. And you can also listen to our new Shireside Chats show, which is a show where I spend five or 10 minutes on an episode solo breaking down one of the letters of J.R. Tolkien. That's been a lot of fun. Of course, you can always get early and ad free access to episodes. And if you're signed up to our Patreon by the end of July, you will get a sticker in the mail. That is a an Elvish saying that means one year of good history and our Lorehounds logo that's in the style of our second age logo from our first show. So a lot of fun stuff happening on the Patreon. Uh, as far as podcasting schedule, uh, I want to mention our affiliates. We have Alicia, who just finished her coverage of Silo season one on Apple TV. That feed's called Woolshift Dust. You can check that out. She also just did an interview with the author of the Silo series, Hugh Howey. Very, very good get. Very, very uh, a fun thing to to talk to the creator of a show right after it, it finishes its first season. So go check that feed out. Her interview with Hugh Howey will be out soon. Uh, we'll shift us. You can find it in the show notes. Maester Anthony just joined the network. He launched his new podcast, Properly Howard, where he and Steve break down movies and decide if it is better, worse, or on par with the average Ron Howard movie, which is such a fun premise that I never would have thought of. So check Very out their cool. review of Howard the Duck. 
they are very funny. They just make fun of this movie. They talk about their joy with this movie. It's it's a, a, a really infectious humor as part of this show. Brandon, have you have you heard properly Howard yet? I have not. I'm actually a huge fan of Howard the Duck. It was one of like my five movies that I I would keep on rotation as a kid. <laughs> with Howard the Duck, Predator Two, Army of Darkness, and uh, let's throw in a Star Wars. I can't really remember the other ones, but yeah. So I I watched a shitload of Howard the Duck as a little boy, which I think is part of what made me a weirdo. Uh, so right. I'm looking forward to listening to this. Yeah, check it out. It's a lot of fun. They were they were very funny on it. Uh, if you want more Star Wars, we have Visions Volume 2 coming out. We have the Ahsoka Retrospective coming later in the month. So just check out our feed for that. Uh, weekly, we have Secret Invasion going on. That's the Disney Plus Marvel show where there's no superheroes for once. And uh, David, Jean, and Alicia are covering that. I pop on from time to time. I invade the podcast, but <laughs> it's mostly them. Other than that, I would check out our coverage of The Bear if you are a fan of the Shameless Kids, because apparently Cal, it was a Shameless Kid, and so was Jeremy Allen White, who plays the main character on The Bear. So they're all doing well, the Shameless Kids. They're all grown up. They're doing well. They're doing different projects. And uh, so join us for that if you want more of that. Also, I didn't mention for more Star Wars, we're going to be watching Attack of the Clones on our live watch. They posted for a date on that. We're going to be doing full coverage of these Star Wars movies over the course of the next few months. And uh, also later in July, Foundation is starting season two, and we're going to be doing full coverage of that. So that was a mouthful. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Brandon, for being with me on this Lorehounds play. Always a pleasure. Where can we find you if you're not on the Lorehounds feed? Uh, you can very sparingly right now find me uh, at my podcast. Uh, oh, my God. What's it called? My podcast is called uh, Time to Explain, uh, a Destiny podcast uh, where I'm talking about Destiny. But I'm not doing that a lot right now. Just a lot of life is in the way. But you can always find me uh, using Twitter as a journal until it burns down into the ground. I think Meta is coming, <laughs> uh, coming out with threads. So that oh, might boy. be the next place I go to. I, I don't trust Meta, but I trust them more than I trust Twitter right now. So Fair. Uh, may, Fair. maybe I'll hop over there. Uh, either way, you can find me, uh, find my podcast, and I'll probably still have a Twitter. So find me at Brandon the Bard everywhere but TikTok. Okay, no TikTok for you. All right, thank you, and we will see you on the next episode. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. And connect with us on Twitter at The Lorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works, and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. 
Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.